Josie Anderson is first a believer and also a wife, foster mother, nurse practitioner, and marketing manager. She was first introduced to foster care as a CASA, which is a court-appointed special advocate and family nurse practitioner before becoming a foster parent with her husband, Brooks. She is a face behind Foster the Valley, an online community designed to educate on topics such as child development, foster care, and the importance of faith. Josie, welcome to Fostering Our Faith podcast. Thank you. So, you know, we live in New York and we live in what's called the Hudson Valley. And our ministry, Foster Blessings, is kind of like moving into other counties from the original county that we started in. And I, as soon as I saw your name, I was like, we could have been Foster the Valley. So I always believe that there's a story about why people get into foster care. So we would love to hear yours and tell us a bit about Foster the Valley. Yeah, absolutely. So surprisingly, my um, journey with foster care started when I joined a sorority in college. Um, our philanthropy was CASA or court appointed special advocates. And so we were raising money for that program, um, which kind of felt silly because you have to be 21 to be a CASA and most of us weren't 21. Um, so as soon as I turned 21, I interviewed and became a CASA. Uh, so I have six years under my belt there. And so that was my first introduction. And then, um, obviously I've been a nurse and a nurse practitioner. So I've worked with countless number of foster kiddos in, um, the hospital setting. And then when I got married two years ago, my husband and I were looking to move. Um, my husband is a professional golf caddy and he, um, is in youth ministry. And so we moved to Arizona from Ohio, um, so that he could pursue, um, the golf industry. And when we got here, we were like, okay, we've been married, but not that long, but we don't have like a ton on our plate. So we want to start foster classes that way. You know, once we get a little bit more established in the Valley, we can foster. Um, it had always been on my heart, especially from working in the hospital and working as a CASA. And my husband is fantastic with teenagers. So we actually went into foster care wanting to, um, foster teen boys. Cause that is like my husband's sweet spot. Obviously right now we have a four month old baby. So, um, things kind of turned in a way that we weren't expecting, but God's funny like that sometimes. Um, so yeah, that is how we got involved in foster care. And we just took our first placement in January. So foster the Valley was kind of my way of supporting families without, um, being able to foster yet. My husband and I wanted to be married a little bit longer, um, than a year. And so, um, we've now been married for two years. Um, but it was my way of just helping give some development, um, techniques for parents with younger children, um, big, like, Hey, maybe don't do this and do this instead. So just promoting safety, um, obviously sharing my faith. We are, um, very involved in our local church here. And then, um, just providing foster guides because I had been on the backside with like all the court documentation as a CASA. And so I had wanted to provide that to foster parents, um, so that it could make their, um, placement process a little bit easier. God is funny. Yes. <laughs> so, um, so I, we went into this, I was in foster care growing up. And so we went into this and we're like, you know what, we're going to give back. We can foster one little boy. Well, that was 20 kids ago and yeah. we now have four adoptions <laughs> and it's like, yes, 
God is funny, right? Um, yeah. And <laughs> even when we started, you know, Foster Blessings, our ministry out of our local church, it was just meals. That's all we had. We had and, and quite honestly, like, I mean, because like, you know, a couple of weeks went by. So we're like talking like freezer burnt meals, you know? And so this woman approached me and, and I'll never forget. She was like, I think this is going to go national. And like, I'm like, that's because like we have like four freezer burnt meals and like a folder. Um, but since then, I mean, we've, you know, added the blog and the podcast. I wrote a book, like so much is like just blown up and now we're like yeah. going into other places. Um, so yes, God is funny. Um, but so your Etsy shop, I love Etsy. I'm kind of addicted to it. Christmas yeah. time is so bad. Like everybody gets monogrammed everything. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Totally. Oh, um, and so we'll have the link to your Etsy shop, like on our social episode links and all that. So I highly encourage our listeners to check it out and to support you. The printables would be a great tool for any foster parent. I don't care if you're seasoned or not, because here's the thing. The phone rings, you see that it's your home finder, your adrenaline is up, the story makes you cry, and you forget to ask about the pediatrician. So we're talking like child number 13, something like that. We get a call like six o'clock on a Friday. Again, it's an emotionally charged situation, and I didn't ask about the pediatrician. Well, the next morning, we had a medical emergency, and I'm calling all over the place trying to figure out where to bring this kid. And so we made a similar similar thing where like you know have it by your phone you know have it in your office wherever you're going to take that call at so that you can fill that out and know all the information so that you're not searching and scrambling you know the next day kind of thing so i i love it absolutely love it um so can you share what started your etsy shop so again god is funny and uh decides uh when we think that we have our life planned out that he's going to completely change it around. Uh, so I was obviously working in medicine and I needed a break. And so now I work as a graphic designer and marketing manager, which is just funny, but I'm able to do it from home. And that is what allows me to be a full-time foster mom right now. Um, so I was just kind of dabbling in some Photoshop, um, illustrator and Canva and playing around with it. And, um, that was just something that I, just was creative with. Um, so it's been really fun. Uh, it's been kind of like my side project. So right now I'm in commercial real estate with my marketing and graphic design, but, um, I still like to just make really beautiful things and, um, something else that I've been very creative in recently is, um, our little girl. We just designed her entire nursery, which has been fun. And people are like, why would you, why would you do this nursery when like she could leave you tomorrow? And I'm like, well, if it was my own biologic daughter, I would want her to have a beautiful space. And so she's, you know, my daughter for as long as we have her. And so I'm going to make it a beautiful space. Um, and so going back to the Etsy shop, I just thought that foster parents also need beautiful things. And when we went to our foster parent college, they gave us these binders of papers and papers and papers and like just printed out, um, all of the PowerPoints. And we're like, this just feels really clunky. I want to simplify it. And I want to make sure that we have like exactly what we need. And then all those other documentations, we documents, we can put like in a folder and keep it somewhere else. But this is the one thing that we keep in our kitchen that we can just flip through that if we have somebody come over um, for a couple hours while I go to a work meeting or whatever, they know where everything is and it's just organized. And I am an organized freak. I literally went and bought, I'm like working on organizing our garage right now and it's been fantastic. So um, yeah, love organization and love being creative. So that's kind of how the Etsy stuff 
started. That that sounds like you and I would get along very well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah. Oh boy. Um, you know, and it's funny because one of my we have two nine year olds, um, <clears throat> not siblings uh, biologically. And there's a reason that there's a nine month gestational period. I'll just say that. But, yeah. You know, the older is a boy, and he is like very OCD, and the younger is a girl, and she is not. And so they share a space because we homeschool. So they share a space in like our homeschool room. And he's like, that doesn't go there. That doesn't go there. You need to put that over there. And she's like, it's fine. It's fine. And she has like all of her books stacked up on her desk. And like, his are like pretty much like alphabet. <laughs> it's like, it's so funny watching the two of these. Oh my goodness. It's hysterical. Yeah. Um, but you know, and it's funny. Cause you said, you said, you talked about people talking about the room and you know, a, a lot of times, um, and I don't know if this is for you. We get a lot of like negative feedback about foster care. Mm -hmm. You know, like you're doing this for the wrong reasons. You're doing this, you know, for yourself. You're, and part of me wants to wear like a banner <laughs> and like say like, I was in foster care so I can speak to it, you know, kind of thing. And just yeah. like, let the world know because, so do you find that there's like, negative people coming I mean I'm sure you know obviously we have all the people that support us in the world we have an awesome support team as I'm sure you do but do you find yeah. that there's negativity that keeps like cropping up and like you just want to like knock it down definitely um I think that first and foremost people are they, they approach my husband and I have oh I'm so sorry that you struggled with infertility because we don't have any biologic children and I'm like no we've never tried to have our own kids um this genuinely is just out of there are kids that need homes and we want to provide a safe space for them and we have the finances stable marriage and rooms to do so so why wouldn't we um so I think that's the first one the second one is um people judge us because we have an infant and people are like, oh, there are plenty of homes for infants. And why wouldn't you take an older child? And we're like, hey, we're licensed from zero to 17. This is just who God has us with right now. Um, and, you know, we got eight calls before this one. And like we said yes to all of them. Um, so I think sometimes because Brooks and I are still in our 20s and we are younger, um, we get a lot of that judgment. Um I will also say too, fostering children who do not have the same skin color as you has been difficult for us. Um, we get a lot of judgment, um, or people don't know like what, what the right questions are to ask. Um, and so I would say that's been interesting to navigate more so because we're happy to talk about it. Um, but people just I think have their preconceived notions of how everything happened or that maybe like I'm, you know, in my second marriage or that sort of thing. So that's been really interesting. Um, but I think those probably are the three big things that we've had to navigate the last couple of weeks of months. Um, our, our Lennox is like, he glows. <laughs> His skin is yeah. so pale. Yeah. Um, we had, um, a little boy that was Japanese and our daughter is African-American and we had mm -hmm. them all at the same time mm -hmm. and they all called me mommy. Mm -hmm. And going out to dinner was so interesting because, yeah. you know, and, and it's like, <laughs> you know, and then eventually people kind of catch on, you know, as like, as time goes on, but I feel that. Yep. 100%. Yeah. I love that your mission is to serve not only the children in care. Um, I am actually speaking at a conference this week with a good friend of mine. And the title of our presentation is um, foster care and adoption, all of the players. 
because we think that we are a team yeah you know, with DCFS with birth parents with whoever comes along you know we are a team and we are building together to get this child where that needs to go now of course we want reunification if that's not possible what's the second best option what's the third you know and so on and so forth yeah um so that's like our our thing so it's like you know let's let's build a team so that this child feels like supported and I'm yeah. talking like birth onto 18 years old so a good portion of our listeners are foster and adoptive families. So what does full family support look like from your perspective? So I'm a family nurse practitioner. So I've studied the family unit for seven years. So I love the family unit. Um, I think it is very complex and I think it looks very different case by case basis. I don't ever think that we should look at families like they all are made equal because they're not. Um, I think that a lot of people are called to foster care, but that doesn't mean they're called to be foster parents. So I think that um, people are, are called to be in that supportive role. And I sometimes believe that these people don't um, recognize the value in that calling in that role. But as somebody who is a foster parent, who works full-time, who has a husband that works full-time, um, having extra support has been everything to us. Um, and I think it's made me realize how much we need to be pouring into our moms and our dads. Um, but like, for instance, this morning I had a friend that was like, Oh, I have a meeting at my daughter's school. Can I drop my kids off for an hour? And I was like, sure. And my other friend had a migraine and guess what? I ran right over. And I was like, I don't have a baby today. I'm going to take care of you and clean your house and take your daughter to the park because we cannot do this alone and community you have to start, if, if I could give any advice to somebody that's interested in foster care, you have to start building a community. Um, our daughter is potentially going to another home and we wanted to make sure that that person was completely set up for success. So guess what I did? I went over to my Instagram. I said, Hey, we're collecting money. We want to shower this mama. And, um, you know, if you want to donate, then great. And guess what? We raised hundreds of dollars and we gave her everything brand new. We didn't have to pack a single thing that was used because we had so much support. And so that is the type of care that we need to be giving others in our community, because if we're not, it's not possible to be a good parent. You have to, you have to have that. And for us, that is stemmed in the church. Um, and it's funny because this family hasn't really ever experienced this. And they were like, this is so different. Like we've never seen this before. And I was like, that breaks my heart because if we didn't have this, I don't know how this, any of this would be possible. Um, and so I think aside from just supporting foster parents, um, making sure that you're doing everything you can, even for bio parents, like there have been times where I've printed out pictures and put together like, a something for her to hang on her wall and, we need to be empowering each other. And you, you know, my favorite thing is writing in a journal and sending emails. And just like, I think, I think my, my biggest struggle with foster care thus far is how many times people have told me this isn't normal. This isn't normal. This isn't normal. And I'm like, this should be normal. Like, why, why are we settling for something that's not, that hasn't worked, that's proved it doesn't work like why aren't, aren't foster parents stepping up to the plate and the people that are called to then support foster parents, why aren't they stepping up to the plate so that we can look at all these different players in the foster community, even what, if, even if it's a caseworker or a transporter, like we have our favorite transporter 
And on mother's day, I texted her. I was like, Hey, I know that your mom, happy mother's day. Thank you for everything that you do. Because even though she's in transport and she thinks ah, I've just, you know, take this child wherever she needs to go. Like that is a huge relief to me and something that's super helpful specifically in our given circumstances. Um, the family unit, at least I, I don't even look at it as like me and my husband and whatever child's in our home. I look at our family unit of, Hey, everybody in this foster case right now is in our family unit because we all need each other and, and are all supporting at some capacity. So those are my thoughts on that. And I think because a couple things, so we hold, um, a foster, a foster worker contest every year. Throughout the year, people give us the names of like, you know, their favorite DCFS person and we just, you know, collect them. And then come October, a friend of mine, we both have similar ministries in our county. We um, pull a name. Usually one of our kids pulls a name and then another name, another name. And like they get like massages and gift cards and movie tickets. And and it's all about supporting each other, like you said, you know, and make it easy on your caseworker. Don't make them hunt you down for paperwork. Don't, don't make them like, you know, well, what happened at the doctor? You know, already have that established. No, already send out that email before she even asks. And that's how you can bless like the entire population around you. You mm-hmm. know, that's, and it's not just about the kids. It's so much bigger than that. You know, the opportunity that you have to, to support everybody, you know, mm-hmm. kind of thing. Just like, it's exactly what you said. That's exactly right. And I, I've said this a couple of times on here, but you know, our, support group got started because somebody texted me was like hey can I send a mother's day card on mother's day on a visit you know you can't just ask your best friend that you need people around you that know this information right and we're like sure you send a card I send like homemade gifts and Thanksgiving we sent like um like a little chicken and mashed potatoes in a container and baby food of like turkey and whatever like you know because that's their only Thanksgiving that they're going to get together you know Mm -hmm. and that's like you know as we're sitting here on Thanksgiving with all the family and all the friends, like they don't, you know? And so like, exactly supporting 100%. And I think coming from care myself, I think it's a different position that I have because I don't see kids placed by the state. Like, I think the Lord just places kids. <laughs> so like, yeah. I think he, I think he's in charge. I think that he's in charge a little bit more than the state. I really do. Um, yeah. And so when we come into it with that perspective, I think it gives hope. It gives a hope back that, you know, this is not just random. This is not just some giant spinning rock putting me in your house. This is the God of the universe, you know, and, and I can tell you that this is exactly how it worked for me. You know, I ended up in a, in a very bad place, but that very bad place led me to becoming a Christian, you know, and that led me to yeah. like, I broke, you know, essentially. Yeah. And um, so is there anything that like a clear story or a picture that you have that you would say this is what foster care looks like? Um, I mean, this past week of, you know, we have been on this roller coaster of this is happening. No, wait, this is happening. No, wait, this is happening. And I'm sorry that I have to be very vague about this, but um, for instance, like we, we have a child that we would love to put in daycare because again, my husband and I both work, um, but that has not been an option because it, we've been constantly told, okay, they're going, they're going, they're going, they're going for four months. And now, you know, we're almost five months in and I emailed you last week. Cause I was like, okay, we're going to not have any children in our home. And we're, you know, we're trying to hype ourselves up to get over this heartbreak of, 
you know, losing this child and, um, you know, as, as happy as we are that they're, they're going to a safe place and, um, that, you know, we're in agreement, um, that's still a huge loss for us. And sitting in a space where somebody's getting a child and you're losing that child, like people are always going to talk about the, you you know, you, you, you experience grief and hope, or you experience this and this, like, it's always this and this, um, and so when we're in preparation for, you know, this child to be going to their next home, my husband Brooks and I are, you know, we're hyping ourselves up of like, okay, we just bought a house. We're excited to do some home renovation or, you know, we missed these, these four people. Like we're really excited to like pour back into them because they've poured into us so much, or we're excited to see family. We're excited to travel. We're excited to do all these things because we're trying to have hope for the, after this child is gone. And then we, we find out that the child's staying. And so then, you know, we have to, we're, you know, shot back to reality of, okay, we're, we're going back down the hill on the roller coaster again. And we don't know what these next couple of weeks look like. And, you know, I had three doctor's appointments yesterday, even though like I, I was, you know, I spent all week last week, not working because I wanted to cherish the time that I had with this child. And I was like, I'm going to have so much time next week. I'm going to have more time than I've had the past five months. So I can like get all caught up. And then it was like, oh no, we have visits and four, four doctor's appointments. And we have a visit with the caseworker and the attorney. And like, you're just shot back into it blind. And I mean, you just, it's, it's a new corner. And every time you turn that corner, something is unexpected and you just have to be flexible. Um, but you know, I think through this, God has just really shown us the brokenness in us, um, and how much we need him because I'm like, I have no patience today and I don't like feeling like this. Or, um, you know, sometimes I have feelings where I'm like, this feels really icky or I don't like how something's going. So then I feel like, my, the, the center in me is like, okay, I need to somehow manipulate the situation to have some control. And I'm like, no, like I've got to let go of this and I have to let God take it because this is the hardest, heaviest thing we've ever carried. And like, I'm too human to handle this. Um, and you know, that has, what's given me so much peace through all this is I don't have to be in control. And I know that God has his hand on this, this baby's life and she is chosen and she is so highly favored. And he is just going to speak over her no matter where she's going. Um, and we have planted every single possible seed that we can. Like we have shown her what community looks like. We have shown her what unconditional love looks like. We have shown her, um, constant, uh, like you're crying. Okay. We're, we're tending to you. We're, we're forming this bond. We're forming this attachment because we want you to have a firm attachment with wherever you're going next. And if that looks like me not getting to sit down and I miss a meeting, then like, by all means, because this, this child is so much more than a meeting or hanging out with somebody or getting a home renovation done. So I don't know. That is what foster care has looked like for us the past couple of weeks. Um, and it just is pure chaos. And it's a perfect picture because when we first started, you know, we, we got our first little boy and then we got our first, what was called a weekender, you know, oh, um, auntie is going to take her Monday morning. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She's uh -huh. now adopted. Then yeah. We got our next weekend <laughs> adopted. <laughs> um, and we, we've had a couple of those, um, but we yeah. did have, um, we've had a couple of longer stays that ended up going home. And one of them in particular, 
we testified on behalf of the parents and so the judge at that time said okay he he can go home today and we got to bring him home and you know walking up the stairs I'm like crying I'm like this is so cool this is so awesome I get to bring you home to mom you know whatever and then I got home and the crib is there and I was like oh wow this hurts this hurts so much and I was going to yeah. see him the next day we were babysitting him um but still like gut-wrenching because yeah you can't not get attached you it's like literally impossible you yeah. know it's it's and, and it's the darndest thing because you know I can spend all the time in the world with my friends children mm-hmm. and when they go home I'm okay yeah. <laughs> but this child comes into my home and all of a sudden my heart is like attached yeah um, totally and I think I hate when people are like I don't know how you do it I would get so attached and you're like and you think I don't <laughs> what's talking about I, I thought I gave my, my little baby her last bath on Sunday and it wasn't. And now I, I know that I'm going to, again, one day have to give her that last bath because, and she loves the water. And so like that rips my heart in two, but I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm offended. You think I'm not attached because holy moly, I am. Or, or you're such a saint. No, I am broken. I am very broken. Like ask my children. Let me tell you. My kids are on the saint. They're like, mm. oh, yeah. Actually, this has shown me how much of not a saint and not a hero I am. The only savior here is Jesus, and you know yeah. we all need the saving. So, like, yeah. let's just drop that at the door. Yeah. Um, all right. So, is there anything else that you want to share with our listeners to encourage them in their walk on their journey? You know, just um, you know, I know you guys have only had one child, but let me tell you how the first one shapes and molds your entire world. Um, yeah. So is there anything you would like to share? Um, I would say if you're not involved in foster care, you do not currently have a placement. I think the thing that my husband and I have struggled with the most is feeling guilty for letting our community get attached, knowing that while our hearts are breaking, we're choosing that. But like my mom's not choosing that. My sister's not choosing that. Our church family's not choosing that. Um, And as much as you can offer support to take away the guilt of babysitting or providing anything, because I think the hardest thing for us is like, everybody said goodbye to our child this past weekend. And we, you know, don't want to tell people we still have her because that goodbye was so hard. Um, or we feel guilty because, you know, we need the extra childcare because we are, we have a child that has more needs, but we, you know, are, are like, well, this isn't our baby. And so it just, it feels weird sometimes. Um, so I would say as much as you can just like force yourself onto foster families to take care of them. Um, cause we need it. And I think foster parents too, want to like put on their hat and be like, we're great and we're fantastic. And we chose this, but like, I think that there's a lot of guilt that comes along with that. Um, and it's very real. And I know that that's the enemy. 110% because like I said, there are people that are called to foster care that aren't called to be foster parents. And those are those people. I would also say, this is my, this is going to be my last thing is if you don't want to be a foster parent, but you're looking to get involved, go look at being a CASA because a CASA is something that we've really needed. And there haven't been enough. Um, and I've been a CASA and 
You can make it work with any job, especially if you're working full time and you're like, I don't have the capacity for this. Um, it's so, so needed. And it's really cool because you get to speak for a child and you get to follow them through the case, but it's not as heavy on your heart. Um, and yeah, it just is so needed. And it's such a good way to be involved in your community. That's not like, oh, I'm going to go, you know, plant flowers somewhere and then be done for the day. Like it, it truly is changing a child's life. Um, so go be a CASA or support your foster families. Exactly. James 127. That is what, um, that's what this is all about as far as us and foster blessings and <clears throat> this podcast, you know, that, that's what we're doing is we're trying to pull in people like you who, who get it, you know, who are, who are real about it and understand the heart, you know, the heartbreak and, um, and who can really speak to it. That is the whole, you know, um, so I love having these conversations. You know, I love having the, the raw truth come out, you know, we're like, you're, you're like, Hey, I'm going to be a broken puddle next week, you know, next month, yeah. it's going to be really bad. I'm I'm going to need your support. I'm going to need that because if one yeah. more person says to me, well, it's foster care, of course they're going home. Yeah. Right. But my heart still hurts really, really bad. Yeah. <laughs> so it's the worst yes. heartbreak. Yes. And I almost equate it to, and this is, this sounds very juvenile, but, um, when you're dating your high school sweetheart and you know, you're both going to different colleges one day, but like, you still have to enjoy like being in that moment with them. And that's so hard to know that the end is in sight. Um, and I'm going to go back really quick and just say one more thing to actual foster parents, since that's probably the primary, primary listener to this podcast is be specific with what you need. Asking for prayers, a cop out people are already praying for you. So when people ask what I need. Okay. I need, I need, um, words of encouragement on mother's day. I need you to send a video to my husband telling him how good of a dad he is when he's having a hard night. Um, I need you to provide financial support so that we can buy a parent diapers or we can buy a parent wipes, or we can have a starter diaper bag for somebody. Don't ask for prayer. We are praying for you already. So ask for something specific, like attainable and like tangible because, People want to help. And if you don't give them an avenue to help you, then they're not going to be able to figure out how to establish that connection. Lord, we thank you for Josie and her heart for children in care. Thank you that you put this on her heart all those years ago. We pray that as she continues to take children into her home, that you will continually use her life as she shows up, not only for the child, but also for the child's whole family. Keep her strong in you, and it's in the mighty, mighty name of Jesus that we pray.